One of the most potent antidepressants is an orgasm. And it wasn't until I met you that I was like, holy shit, this is what people are talking about. Guys need a place to have an orgasm and or a partner and women need trust. Even being the caretaker makes me feel good and sexual. Like all these things make it because it makes me feel good about myself. Men need to have sex to feel loved. Women need to feel loved to have sex. People can ignore this advice. I totally understand. Everybody needs to do what is right for them. I'm just saying, if you're asking me, hey, this marriage has to last, what's your best practices? So not that I'm not judging, people do what they want, but my best practices for finding a mate and making sure that you're gonna have longevity would be to definitively not marry the first person you have sex with, definitely have sex with the person that you get married before you get married, and live together, because it is complicated, man. Now remember, when you lose your virginity. It was like, I thought fireworks were gonna go off. I was gonna be crowned. My life was never gonna be the same. I was gonna be finally a woman. Like, it was like this big, grand thing. And I had sex for the first time, I was like, huh? (laughs) Now look, I, I was in a relationship. I was with a guy for four years. But when I first had sex with him, I was young. I was legal when I was young. And um, and so it was like, I didn't know who I was. I didn't even know my body. I didn't know. And so I was like, people have made out for it to be very grand and I didn't feel it. So then I dismissed sex. I was like, clearly it's not for me. Like, it's not that, it's like, yeah, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. And it wasn't until I met you that I was like, holy shit, this is what people are talking about. And so to your point, I'm not telling people to go out and just sleep with anyone. But man, when I met you, I was like, I knew what I had. I knew what I had. But what if I hadn't? What if I had stayed with that guy? The spark, the electricity, the the intimacy, the the passion you can have from sex, it wasn't there. But I wouldn't have known that it was missing if I hadn't then had the experience and then met you. So that is exactly a wonderful example of why I think that one, I love the idea of people waiting, like having sex young, I think is a high risk endeavor. Yeah. So if anything I've said comes across like that, definitively not. Um, I think people should really wait until, the one of the best pieces of advice I ever got about sex was until you're able to talk about it openly, don't have it. <laughs> and I thought, whoa, that's really good advice. And so being able to talk with the person that you wanna have sex about having sex, Um, that's a good sign about whether or not you're ready. Um, but so many people, the first experience they have is, you know, awkward or confusing or whatever. And it gives you, if you, that's the only person you ever have sex with, it doesn't give you any sort of comparison and there's, there's just exploration and learning and it's like all that stuff. It, when done safely, physically and emotionally, when done safely, physically and emotionally, that exploration I think is, uh, is transformative. And I am a serial monogamist. I have, that's not entirely true. I have experienced and enjoyed brief encounters. But I find if I don't connect, that's a much better way of explaining it. I need to connect with people to enjoy sex. So like I want 
trust, which was, again, my mom gave me this extraordinary insight into sex, which is for, I forget what she said about guys, but it was basically like guys need a place to have an orgasm and or a partner outside of masturbation, obviously, and women need trust. Mm. And I thought, whoa, like that was so weird to me, mm. the thought that women needed trust to have an orgasm. And what a key insight that was. And so I'm talking about you're connected with somebody. You're in a stable relationship. This is somebody that you trust. Um, but then from there, where you can go and explore and the things that you can learn, it's, it is amazing and it's extraordinary. And while I did not set out to um, learn about sex by having multiple partners, I am so grateful that I did. So I actually think a massive part of it, like in general, is just compatibility, right? Are you compatible in the way you like to live your everyday life? Are you compatible in um, the belief system that you have on whether you want a family or not? Are you, right? Like everything becomes a compatibility and a communication. And if you're not compatible to me on the sex side of it, like that's such a huge part of what makes a relationship for me and you, like feeling that electricity, working on it, making sure we always keep that spark alive. It's so freaking important. And if you never have it from the beginning, I don't know, like there's a, that's a massive component that would be missing. There's also ways of like flavors of sex life maybe is the right way to think about it. And finding enough common ground, because over time you're going to shape each other and you're going to find the things right. you like and you're each going to like share and try new things and all of that is a wonderful part of a healthy sex life. But there is sort of a baseline of like what we enjoy. Are we into like more adventurous stuff? Are we more vanilla? Are we um, frequency? Like there's so many different aspects Ooh, of a frequency. sex life to line up. So right. It didn't even occur to me, but that's like one of the biggest things of like, I hear a lot about people like, you know, guys will usually want it more, women usually want it less. And so they end up over the years, you hear people complain they haven't had sex in over a year or two years. And it's like, we talk about it all the time. One of the most potent antidepressants is an orgasm. And that so many positive neurochemical states have that have like, signatures that are almost identical to post-orgasm. Um, MDMA, um, some of the, the treatments that they're using for the, the co chemical cocktails that they use for like treating intractable depression, all mimic essentially post-orgasm. Hmm. And so like making sure that your sex life is high functioning is so important and it can just be a misfire. All right, so let's say they wait marriage god bless them cool now it's about toolkit of That's how do we process yeah, well, through you... it's all about communication it's all about not being embarrassed and not being judgmental of course there's going to be and i mentioned this earlier there's going to be um growing together you guys are going to at first like oh i'm not really into that but over time you like see how much the other person loves it and and you can evolve together so this is like anything in a relationship there there's a mm -hmm. foundation that you want to make sure is there and is solid but then of course beyond that it's going to be communication it's going to be trying new things it's going to be experimenting together and without question the greatest sexual journey I have been on has been with you. Mm. 
And so time to get, like my number one value in a relationship is a shared existence. So hopefully people do not mistake that I am um, only interested in novelty. The thing that I've given my entire life to is the experiment of what happens when you stay with one person. Um, That's your experiment? <laughs> why do you say it like not that? not sexy at all. That's interesting. To me, that is so powerful. It's so unromantic. That's, I have to find better words to say it in a way that you hear what I mean. Because what I mean is so, <laughs> like, it's like I've given my whole life to the idea of like through ups and downs, through sickness and health, through poverty, wealth, everything, all of it to do it with one person is yeah, such an extraordinary call, journey. And that's way better. Just don't use the word experiment um, because it, it, it feels clinical. And so everyone, this Words is- matter. So the, I'm actually glad that we're talking about this. And you said earlier, like people like, this is actually how we talk. This is actually how we talk. You say a word, rubs me the wrong way, makes me feel a certain way, but I know you don't mean it, which is why I'm correcting you. I know exactly what you mean, but that's why I was like, hey, experiment doesn't work on me. It doesn't feel romantic. And I like, I know- you're... Which you're now revealing your value system. Yeah. I don't need it to be romantic. Yeah. I need it to be powerful. Yeah. And so hearing <laughs> that what you need in that moment obviously was an unmet need. I wouldn't have said it if it were Valentine's Day or our anniversary, wouldn't be like, I'm so glad we're running this experiment. <laughs> but at the same time, that really matters to me. And so I'm, while I'm understanding you and I could now steel man your position, it doesn't mean it changes the way that I feel. Like that means something to me, it means yeah. a lot to me. And I, just as it's critical that I understand where you're coming from, it's important that you understand where I'm coming from and why that, the way that I have framed it matters to me. So if you're speaking to me and want to be understood, that you would need to have an equal um, understanding and respect for how but I that's interesting though, because in your reframing of it, and I was like, oh, that's much better. Did you feel like I was changing your the way that you see it? Yes. And when you said corrected, I was like, the hair on the back <laughs> of my neck stood up. I was like, say what? So you helped me understand your position. And that, that really is super powerful. And in that, I want to make sure, because as I have said many times, communication is about what you say. It's about what the other person hears. And so I need to know how to get the emotional response so that you feel like when I say that we're running this grand experiment, that you feel this sense of wonder and grandeur and like, oh my God, but I can't use those words because you won't feel what I feel. Yeah. So for me to get you to feel it, I need to understand what the like trigger words are for that same neurochemical cascade. And then I can make sure that I get us on the same page but it does mean something to me for you to also take the time to step in my shoes. Yeah, and I think that this is actually perfect in real time that people can see how we work through things because I totally hear what you're saying. It's because you've given me context of what you actually mean. Now I actually like the word experiment and like as you were talking, I was like, oh, instead of our anniversary, it'd be a happy experimental day. Um, but like that's how I can go from, hang on a minute, that actually is, I don't like that word. You've made me, it feel unromantic to me hearing you out to then you hearing me out, re rewording it so that I can hear what you actually mean in my language. Right. And then me coming over to your side and going, okay, I actually hear what he's saying. I don't take it offense. You can see now I'm laughing. So that's how we take something where, if I didn't have said anything, imagine time after time after time yeah. after time for the next three years, you keep calling our, our marriage an experiment. Yes, that's so I, powerful. Like in three years, I'd be like, I'm just a fucking experiment. Like, see, you right. love me. Oh my God, that's so good. That's so powerful.
And there you have it, guys. That's how we work through shit. <laughs> and we got to put that last bit on the loop, that, that way that people let that resentment build up. That's amazing. I was wondering if you would let me know your thoughts on having a quality sex life after being in a relationship for a long time. Specifically, my husband and I have been married for 10 years. We have two young children, so our daily attention is on them. We have prioritized sex so that we have some sort of physical connection twice a week. I find that I often have a hard time getting into it, but after a while, it's enjoyable. Do you have any recommendations to increase the desire so I actually do want it more and get excited for those nights? Assume that my health is optimal and my husband and I are great friends who love each other deeply. All right, smart. So, hey, let's just get right to the stereotypes. So this sounds so self-evident. In fact, were there any, there were, she said husband, right? Mm -hmm. So we know that she's the wife. Because I was going to say, I guarantee that's written by a woman. So the uh, old joke used to be, so Sting, the singer, it's funny to think that some people don't know who that is now, uh, he used to say that sex with his wife lasted eight hours. And so people were like, oh my God, this is crazy. These guys have all this crazy tantric sex and they're having sex for eight hours. And I remember thinking, Jesus, like that does not sound like fun. That, that is way too long. And he finally clarified. And he said, that was taken out of context. What I said was, for my wife, you have to like really get her in the mood. It starts like with flirtation before we go out shopping. And he's like, then it's being attentive while we're shopping. And then it's coming home and it's kissing. And then, you know, it, it becomes actual intercourse. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Like it's so different. I need a whisperer. Uh, you need only graze my groin and I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? Like for real, it is like, I am just down for the get down. And, but for you, and I would say for women in general, for men, it's the same for women. It's the same. These are rough approximations. Of course, for some men it's different for some women it's different, but just sort of down the middle. What are the averages? Women need that buildup and the, the coolest way I've ever heard this said is men need to have sex to feel loved. Women need to feel loved to have sex. So what is that thing that she needs? Is it attention? She needs to feel seen and recognized. Is it that like one of the most interesting insights about sex I've ever heard in my life is that women want to be, they want to feel sexy. They want to be the center of sexual attention. And I was like, huh? Like that's so foreign as a guy. Like I can't tell you how stupid and unsexy it feels to me to try to pose or be sexy. Like you used to try to dress me up for Halloween and things that you thought were so cool. And I sexy, wanted to dress up yeah, as yeah, an uniforms. inflatable samurai. <laughs> like I, or a, a sumo wrestler. I want, Halloween for me is about funny and you being sexy, yes, that I find really interesting. But me being sexy feels super weird. So it was like a really strange revelation to realize that you aren't dancing sexy or strip teasing devoid of pleasure for yourself and just trying to turn me on. You're doing it because it turns you on to turn me on. I was like, oh my God, like my mind was blown. And I was just like, what? Like, I don't need that. Like it, it, is, it is awesome if you're like, oh my God, I'm so turned on by you. I love that. But I would get an erection either way. You know what I mean? If you're like, all right, we're doing it for you. Okay, cool. Like, <laughs> thank you. You know what I mean? It's like, 
that's why when I was so sick and like just I wasn't turned on sexually because I could barely like I didn't think of myself as sexy I didn't I was hurting I was in pain I was in agony all the time I could barely stand up my hair was falling out I couldn't wear a bra so it's like it had nothing to do with you the fact that I didn't want sex it was the fact that I felt weak in pain and didn't feel sexy even when I wasn't in pain I just didn't feel sexy and so that didn't turn me on you're 100% right recognizing as the as for her, right? Because she's saying, I'm not even sure what to do. I would say once she's empowered with the idea that, hey, you're gonna need rev up. Like that's a real thing. And once she understands, oh, okay, it's not weird, it's not unusual. The odds are that as a woman, I'm gonna need some sort of buildup. I'm gonna need to feel loved. I'm gonna need to feel trust. I'm gonna need to feel safety. Okay, all things that play into a female orgasm in a way that they don't into a male orgasm. So there's already that disconnect. So then it's like, well, what communicates those things to you? Is it me doing the dishes? Is it me making sure that the kids are taken care of? Do you need to know that the kids are with somebody that you trust? Do you need to know that the kids couldn't possibly walk into the room? Is it a lock on the door? Right, there are all these interesting things. Once you realize, I'm gonna need rev up, I'm gonna need to feel loved, I need to feel trust, I need to feel secure. Now what makes me feel that? Mm -hmm. And that's going to help her because she's not trying to overcome all of this stuff. Understanding what those things are for her, the positive cues that lead her into feeling sexy, candles, flowers, like aromas, relaxation, there's something, right? Identify those, make sure they happen so that by the time we get to the actual physical act of sex, you're ready. That was amazing. When I'm at work, it's like I have a certain way that I act, a certain mentality, a certain hardness to myself that I, I deliberately bring to the table when I'm doing work. It's I put on a, you know, I have to be a boss. I have to guide things. I have to be a visionary. I have to be an executor. Like all the, not even have to, but I am. So all of those take a certain amount of hardness to me. I cannot be a ball of mush. Like I. I have done that, that was my transition of going from a housewife to how the hell do I become a leader? And I've messed up so many which ways on that journey. But ultimately it's showing up super confident, super strong, you know, um, not being afraid to just go for it, try things, fall on your face. Like, and all of that takes a certain amount of mindset, strength, ignoring my negativity, Lisa, what the hell are you doing? Like all of this stuff, I, I battle that on a daily. Now, when I'm with you, I want to feel soft. I want to cuddle in your arms. I want your arms to like really encompass me. I want to feel protected by you. I really do. And I know in these day and age, people may hate that, but I don't fucking care. Like that's what makes me feel good with you. I like feeling protected by you. I choose that. So in order for me to do that, that's what makes me relax. And then I feel sexy and I feel, you know, I can dress up or I want to be the caretaker. Even being the caretaker makes me feel good and sexual. Like all these things make it because it makes me feel good about myself. Hmm. Like I'm taking care of you. That's a pride that I have in myself. And so all these little elements to me build up for the moment of sex. And it's a, it's a freaking transition. It's like what you say when, you know, if you're doing, you know, strict work, business stuff, and then you're being creative. There's a transition cost in there where you have to switch your mind, your body, the, you know, how you hold yourself. And so for me, it's been very easy in the sense for us to kind of go, okay, 
Monday to Friday is pretty much all work all the time. Like you literally go to bed with your headphones on. So there's not even a second for transition. But the weekend is my relaxed time. I've got a different hat on, if you will. And so for me, it's very beautiful and easy and comfortable to have just freaking amazing sex on the weekends. But the week just, I always found it difficult. I found it was more like a burden, another chore. I'm bloody exhausted. I've just spent 12 hours feeling like I'm battling the world and now I have to put on a different hat, relax, get sexy. It's like, Jesus Christ, no. You know, so I've just gone, that was too stressful for me. So if it was too stressful for me, like that's, that's the opposite of what sex should be, right? We need to connect, we need those moments. Um, so that's why we've structured our week so that it actually happens on the weekends. And then that's also allowed us to kind of navigate work and everything we're going through there. And then also just making sure that we do have sex because we've you know, said so often how important that is. And it's really about the connection. <clears throat> so sex with Emily I had on the show and we were literally speaking about this and the whole thing was, it doesn't even just have to be penetration, it's the connection. Give each other, <clears throat> give each other, well, you so, give me that look. Let me say, what? <laughs> In the sense, this sounds like uh, going back to male and female differences. No, so. it's, it's basically saying like, if you're not feeling, if you're not feeling connected, yep. sex isn't just, it's not always just the answer. It can be intimacy and intimacy oh, covers oh, oh, massages. Oh. To, to create intimacy, it does not need to be penetration. Correct. I thought you were saying sex does not need to be <laughs> penetration. I was like, yo. <laughs> We gotta talk. No, come on, it's sex with Emily. Yeah. She encourages penetration. You keep that madness on your side. <laughs> but no, I get it now. So, um, so yeah, I think that just being honest about your schedule, being honest about your life, and not trying to pretend, and then really implement like date nights, sex mm. nights, sex days, whatever. But um, being, you know, being aware and not feeling guilty, I think, is a big thing. Facts. Facts. If you don't feel sexually satisfied, how do you tell your partner? Okay, so, well, I will speak for myself. As with all things, direct, simple, and supportive is the right way to go about it. Because you want to talk about, you can put someone on edge real fast with this topic. Um, so you need to be clear. You want to speak up for what you want. There's no way to get the life that you want unless you're willing to articulate it. Which actually, by the way, the one thing I will say in sex education class that they taught us in Tacoma, Washington, if you're not ready to talk to your partner about sex, you're not ready to have sex. That's actually really good advice. I thought that was fantastic. And I remember thinking at 16, yeah, no, I'm not ready to talk about this. <laughs> like, I am absolutely terrified. So that was very good advice. So being able to ask for what you want to be able to say like, and without blaming the other person, that's gonna be so critical because you'll put people on their back foot. People are already super insecure. When, when it comes to being naked, already people are like super on edge. And so making sure that you extend it as something you wanna to do together Hey, this is a project. Things can be even better, oh, yeah. right? I'm going to stop you there. That's so interesting. That speaks to me. <laughs> all, I love for that. For all the men out there, please do not say to your woman, this is a project. This is something we can do together? Yes, that's okay. great. But there's certain things a woman will want. Romance, they'll want fluffy language. Ooh, yes. Yes. So in fact, let's... But so because his, this is the talk about. Are you saying that we shouldn't talk about it unless we're in a romantic space? Oh, so... At, so 
let's go down this because this is as you were talking i was like but people are petrified to bring it up mm-hmm. like the actual words of hey let's talk about sex people get stuck there i think you've jumped a bit ahead on like um how to approach it in the sense of like oh god i'm not quite sure like you said something that feels very mechanical but how would you actually approach it so let's say I, I, we don't often talk about sex. We yep. obviously do, but let's just say we don't. Yeah, we, do. we haven't had sex for a while. Let's just say mm-hmm. we don't talk about it. It's been six months since we had sex. Let's say. Ooh. Or maybe it's been like there was a that birthday in there. That almost spills into something else. So let's else. say there was a birthday in there. There's a cage. There's things in there, but yep. someone's not completely satisfied. Right. But it's not like with me and you. I can be like, hey, babe. Are you horny? Are you, you know, like, it's not as easy for certain people. Yes. So how do you actually approach even talking about it? Okay, so here is my general guideline. So first of all, all the things that I said stand. So you want to make sure that you're being direct. You want to make sure that you're creating a, um, an open dialogue where the other person's not feeling judged, which will shut them down. Now, when do I do that? Because this is something that actually drives you crazy about me in a bad way which is that I don't just go full steam ahead. So I go, in my mind, hey, there's this thing I really wanna talk to whoever about, could be my partner, but if, if a significant period of time has gone by and this is an area of real friction and real sensitivity, then I would play it like I would whenever I have somebody in my life where it's like, hey, this really difficult topic has to be brought up and I'm looking for the right moment. Now, what does it mean to look for the right moment? What does the right moment look like It looks like somebody who is emotionally receptive, where there's real warmth between you. And I'm going to have to set aside a a truly dysfunctional relationship where so many things are going wrong that there isn't warmth. So I'm going to assume that there's still warmth, but it's, we're just not quite where we want to be on the sexual side of things. So I'm going to look for that moment where our guard is down. That's hugely important. And you can tell when somebody's, as you would say, their back is up or they're really sort of calm, what we say emotionally sober, right? So you're looking for either emotionally sober, just neutral, or something where it's actually, there isn't sobriety, but it's in the warmth category. So you're almost kind of high on each other. You're intoxicated. Maybe you just had a great meal. You're laughing. You just watched a comedy, something where there's that real genuine sense of wanting to hear the other person, wanting them to win. And when you sense that moment, that's when you can bring it up. And I'm always looking for something that does a bit of the work for me. So as I was saying, maybe you just watched a comedy, right? And in the comedy, it comes up, Mm. they bring it up or something. And then it's like, you use that as your in. And that's something that we've used historically before we had the tools. Um, Our, of course, most famous story is we got in a huge fight and then went to see the movie Rush Hour 2. And coming out of that movie, we'd laughed so hard and we were in such a good mood. And we went from, you know, kind of sitting like this to holding hands. In the movie theater, we were pissed with each other. 100%. And then you can feel the ice thaw, you're holding hands. And then in that moment where you're you're both sort of laughing and giggling about how silly that was and I can't believe how upset we were. And so you look for a moment where you can be like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm having so much trouble bringing this up. This is so crazy because you're so amazing in so many ways. And 
it's probably something I'm doing. So this is me in real time realizing what I would do. So I would take it on myself and say, I'm doing something to create this and I need your help to get on the other side of it. So I'm looking for that moment where there's warmth between us. I'm ideally finding a moment where something else sort of brought up that topic or a tangential topic. Like it could be directly brought up sex or brought up things I find difficult to talk about so that I can segue and be like, mm-hmm. and speaking of another thing I find <laughs> difficult to bring up. Um, and so those two things coupled with making sure that I'm bringing it on myself, looking for the things I've done to put us in this situation, not pointing the finger at the other person, not doing anything that will make them feel blamed or judged, um, trying to avoid all of their insecurities, and then just asking for help. And I think by framing it as, Mm -hmm. I need your help on this thing, that that combination makes people receptive. That was really good. And I'd like to add to that, so the part about saying, what is, what am I doing wrong? I freaking love me and you do that all the time instead of pointing the finger. I also think it will be interesting because as I project, what would I say to you? I think I would come to you be like, look, maybe not in these words, but in that moment, we're either laughing or something. It's like, look, I really want to be an amazing wife to you. And in fact, didn't I even do this a couple of weeks ago? I said, what am I, what thing am I not doing that you wish that I was still doing or mm. something like that? You have asked that question specifically, which is one of the most powerful questions ever asked in our marriage. But then you also do a more vague version. Like, of... so, yeah, thank you. So I actually say to you, are you happy in the marriage? Is there anything I can do to improve? Like, do you feel neglected in any way? So I take on the ownership of like, what am I not giving you? Because the thing is, to trick ourselves into thinking we're always giving our partners exactly what they need all the freaking time is absolutely putting blinders on. So I know there's going to be things to every relationship that someone can do better. So to me, it's like, hey, babe, how can I do better? And then the hope is you then ask me. It's like, oh, well, thank you. Wow, you just listened and you weren't defensive, right? It's like when I said to you, you know, oh, you don't take care of me in the food and I wish you were. It's like, oh, my God, of course. Like, what can, let me think about that. How can I make that work? You see that I'm receptive to the criticism. Criticism isn't the right word. To the improvements I want to make. And then you hope in reverse to then allow space to say the same thing to you. And because you've been receptive to all the things that you should do better, then hopefully that person does as well. What if I don't reciprocate? What if I don't even think to ask? I'm so just amazed. I'm like, oh my God, what a beautiful gift you've given me. Thank you for asking that. Good night. <laughs> so the you used to do this to me with movies. I would always like, we'd, we'd come out of a movie theater and I'd be like, babe, what'd you think of the movie? You're like, oh yeah, it was great. And then you'd go on about your day. Right. Like, I liked it too. <laughs> so, so the funny thing is I know you and I know it's part of your characteristics right. so I actually wouldn't take it personally. I would be then like, oh, actually, so then for me, you know, let me just, I'd love to also say the things that you could potentially do to improve on our relationship. Let me tell you that's, that gets real dangerous real fast. Go on. So what would what, you do? Would what, you not then bring it up? I would, but I, I don't know then, I actually know I wouldn't. I would be like, that was a missed opportunity. Now this is, mm. this. remember, this is a relationship that is stressed. Mm. This is not like me saying, hey, here's an optimal way to communicate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because what would end up happening is I would start to feel like I had a secret from you and so I'd be like, oh God, I need this to come up at some point. 
But I also want to be realistic about sometimes waiting a few days is way better than forcing the issue when you know that it's something likely to trigger an insecurity. So your strategy is great. And if it does get the other person there, it's wonderful. But the second you're like, and now let me tell you things you're doing wrong. The framing mm-hmm. is now, well, you, you have wrong. done this. Yeah. This is a problem. Or yeah, it's, it, you're setting somebody up in a risky position unless they volunteer. So if you've elicited the, yeah. the reciprocation, it works wonderfully. But if you don't, now it's, it gets tough because yeah. you're putting it on them as something that they're... I'm more likely to eat the marshmallow than you are. I'm less patient. You're the... really uh, aggressive with stuff like this, to your detriment. Yeah, so I... And now look, me and you definitely figure out our communication. So you're right. I probably should have in that situation wait a few days. So I'm glad that you actually said that out loud. One other thing, though, that I would really do is tie the emotion to it. So for instance, and you know that I've said this many times before, when we first got married, I was around a lot of women who had been married for a long time, they'd had kids, and all I would hear is the women moan and complain about the fact the guy doesn't bring him flowers, he's not romantic, and then in the same breath being like, yeah, I gotta give it up because it's his birthday. And I'm like, (laughs) but isn't that the same, right? needs once in a relationship there shouldn't be judgment if you want and need flowers you have every right to if you want romance if you want and need sex you should have every right to and that's one thing me and you don't do is judge each other for what we want but going back to what i would say is how does that then make me feel i don't just say to you babe get me flowers i'd be like you know it would be so nice oh my god it would make my day if you bought me roses like babe no pressure but if you really want to know how to cheer me up that's how you do it keys to the kingdom because so people would... hearing you say that are going to be like, that's horrendous. Wow. That is so unromantic. Right. Why do you have to ask? Because... I shouldn't have to tell him. He should know me. Right. And I used to be like that. He should know me. You're not a freaking mind reader. Going back to you said it earlier. Do I want you to win? Do I want you to succeed in this relationship? Of course I want you to succeed in this relationship. So for me to test you and then wait to see if you succeed or not... To me, isn't a partnership. It goes back to that tennis game that I love the analogy. It's like we're not on separate sides of the, the court. Mm. You aren't, we aren't on the same side. You are next to me. This is a team of doubles and we're playing the game to win together. So to me, it absolutely is. You've got to freaking get over it. Get over it. You have to get over it. You have to be honest. But going back to, I would be honest with why it makes, how it makes me feel. So it's not a demand. It's not a, oh my God, you're not good enough. It'd be like, oh my God. Or I'd say, you know the last time you got me flowers? Baby, you have no idea. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I wanted to jump your bones. Now look, I know you. I know about me saying you don't want to jump your bones. You'd be like, oh, really? Got to get her more flowers then, right? It's like, it's not manipulation. It is absolutely saying the words that I, that I feel that are very true. I'd never lie to you. So I wouldn't trick you and pretend. Can we, can, we need a word, because it, People don't like manipulation. It, and because it's terrible. Yes. So let us use the word guidance. You're like guiding it. me. I like it. You're guiding me in a direction of behavior mm. that will benefit not only myself, but the relationship. And one should want to guide their partner, mm. but guide them to success. But I want to be honest that it kind of sucks. It kind of sucks that you have to tell me that you want flowers, right? It would just be cooler if I could, maybe not mind read, but that I know you well enough that like, oh man, I just knew in this moment, right? That would be better. 
And so I want to let people know I hear you. I feel that pain. The inner relationship to get what you actually want, to have that long-term bond, to share decades and decades and decades of your life with somebody in a way that is fulfilling and joyful and amazing, you have to accept that they are a human that interprets the world differently than you do. And the only way for them to get where you need them is to guide them. Mm. And we're both doing it. And if it's done in the spirit of we're on the same side and we're playing this game to win together and we're gonna win together, we're gonna lose together, then communication really becomes a key. And I mean, that's why the, you know, I mean, the punchline of all relationship advice has already been said, has been said for decades and decades. I'm sure it's been said for thousands of years that communication is key. Now, no one ever takes the time to articulate what they mean by communication. You actually have to say in a way that can be heard like your intention can be heard, the things that you need, that you want, and all of that, and to say it far more frequently and pointedly than you ever think you're going to have to say. And mm -hmm. so if you, don't, if you have the framework that it's manipulation, or if you have the framework that they're dumb or they're not paying attention, mm -hmm. it, it is just gonna be gut-wrenching to have to guide them. But if you have it as, this is the person I love most in the world, and I'm guiding them to a treasure, and I know that they're also gonna guide me to a treasure, then, then it becomes beautiful. And it's like, hey, I wanna, just as you've done for me thousands of times, I wanna take your hand and guide you to something that's gonna be amazing for the both of us. And now, for the both of us, and that's such an inside joke, but I want people to know us. Uh, that is the key. Like when you're able to, which is literally why we call it giving the keys to the kingdom, to tell the person the, the thing that you need and want, without trying to hide it, without judging them, without making it their fault or anything. And then the real power is when the person says something and it triggers your insecurities and you can feel yourself getting defensive to remember that it's your job to allow the person to take you by the hand, that they are taking you to a treasure. And you introduce such a beautiful concept to our marriage, which is, does this person love me? Mm. And if the answer is yes, then, hey, I know that there's no ill will. So whatever they're trying to do, I'm going to give them grace and understanding and I'm going to be open and receptive. If the answer is no, then we have a much bigger problem mm -hmm. than whatever it is that they're trying to lead me to.